0: A police state is never born overnight, is an incremental loss of freedom. We cover that today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier of freedom. It's our platform where we talk about faith, politics, and commerce, where we analyze current events from biblical and common sense perspectives. I'm so glad you knocked. The door is open and we have answered. Come on in and welcome to The Grid. Welcome, family, friends, neighbors, patriots, believers alike. Welcome to this episode of The Grid, the flagship podcast production of the Kingdom Patriot Group. And welcome, Sean. um, And thanks for joining me today as we have a conversation around a very important topic.
1: Very important, and I'm really looking forward to diving into
0: it. As am I. But before we do, as always, let's do a quick recap of the news and review. All right, we've got lots of news. I tell you, this story right here, probably out of all the others, has got me pretty fired up. If you want to just understand the sickening evil that exists and the viewpoint that pretty much every problem in the world is all the fault of Israel, that it just is laid at their feet, then just listen to this story about this veiled in disguise, what I would say just a complete slam. And actually, as I read it, it, it sounds totally different when you actually watch the video. It's it's even worse. Um, and, and it all started with a conversation between an Israeli government spokesman, um elon i think is his name elon levy and sky news presenter kate burley so sky news this lady was pretty aggressive and it just went it went viral on thursday because burley asked levy if the terms of the hostage deal between israel and hamas if that didn't in fact imply that israeli lives are worth more than palestinian lives that's the backdrop now why because according to the deal 50 israelis were being released but 150 palestinians were being released so it, wouldn't you think that supporters of Hamas would be happy with that, which I guess that's what this lady is? No, 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 because what she was saying is, is that means that one Israeli is worth three Palestinians, and therefore it's completely inequitable. I tell you what, this uh, Elon, I, the fact he kept his cool in the interview was amazing, but he, he basically told her, I am, I am stunned and outraged at that accusation. Are you kidding me? And he's right. Shouldn't we be happy that there is any hostages released? But again, if your narrative, if your narrative is that all ills are caused by Israel, then you're going to look for problems everywhere, including, including here. There's just really no words that I can express for this kind of lunacy. I'm betting that Rashida Talib, Ilhan Omar, AOC, and this crazy lady all were part of the same death to Israel democracy college hate club. That's what I'm guessing. There's just no story this week, like I said, that has me more fired up than this. Okay, moving on. According to Newsmax, the U.S. is now in a new nuclear arms race as we're replacing the tips to our nuclear warheads and upgrading them. And I'm like, wait a second, I thought Biden was supposed to bring stability to the world, and yet there is nothing but chaos and then, in the fact, I just read this week that Ukraine launched a massive um, drone strike against Moscow. Let me ask you a question Do you feel safer? Do you feel safer today? Do you feel safer knowing that Biden is carrying around the nuclear football? Just asking the question. Um, also, in an unrelated story, but in a quiet but rare truth statement disney now admits that its woke movies and culture likely hurt its shareholders <laughs> do you think are you kidding me with the dis- with the decline of stock value i think that's like saying the Sahara desert sun is a little bit warm today but then again um i'm in a pretty sarcastic mood today if you couldn't tell Also saw that Texas Representative Ronnie Jackson, the White House doctor who served um, President Obama and Trump, he said Sunday that Joe Biden's cognitive decline is happening rapidly or or quickly. Um, This is what he says. I was there during the George W. Bush administration, so I know firsthand what it takes to be the commander in chief and head of state. It is a grueling job, both mentally and physically. This man cannot do the job. He's proven every single day that he can't do the job but it's going to get worse. I've been saying this since he was candidate Joe Biden. He said his cognitive issues relating to his age were actually have been continuing to decline for several years. And he said, I even went back and looked at stuff for two or three years ago. And over three years ago, when he was running for office and compared it to right now, and it is unbelievable how much he's degenerated just in his time in the Oval Office. And folks, I mean did you need this doctor to say it I mean that's calling the kettle black I think we all see it you can say what you want about Biden his policies stink his administration stinks we all know that but this this is this has nothing to do with policy the man can barely function and he is leading our country we can in fact um Um, The representative uh, continued. He said, we cannot afford to have this man in office for the remainder of his term or even another four years after that. He's already put us at great risk. I totally agree. I think this is a real problem and it should be talked about more. Okay, I saw this story. uh, I would call this in the unexpected blind eye segment. Um, a blind eye to her own troubles. Uh, Washington DC Mayor Muriel Bowser is facing a lot of criticism, criticism for taking a trip to Dubai in the United Arab Emirates in Qatar this week to discuss climate change and to promote DC as a tourist destination, even admit, <laughs> admits the fact that there is spiraling uh, violent crimes that are just absolutely uh, troubling the city. Um, in fact, I believe, let me look here, uh, the trip comes after the city just recorded its 249th homicide for this year, the highest number of homicides in over 20 years. They have spiked by 35% so far this year compared to last year. Now, I, I'm not going to say that these two things are related or unrelated. It's just, I'm just wondering if there's some personal gain for this mayor. She she works and is in charge of a failed city with failed... Um, uh, law enforcement approaches. And she's going halfway around the world to talk about climate change. I'm just asking for a friend. And lastly, we we finally saw on the news that this past week that representative Mike Lee is calling for an investigation of the January sixth committee, um especially after four thousand hours of additional footage was released by Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. And th- what this footage shows, again, as we've reported before, is that it was a very peaceful gathering. It was only a very minute, a couple hundred people out of tens of thousands, maybe over 100,000 people uh, that were there, some say even a million. Very, very minute, um, but that's not what's reported uh, in the news. And so that footage was completely ignored by the committee. And why? Because it didn't fit the narrative. It didn't fit the narrative that Trump is the second coming of Hitler. So this brings up a good point. When you elect corrupt politicians, who is holding them accountable? Well, it turns out when the foxes are watching the hen house, it always goes bad. Folks, for this week's news and review, that's a wrap. So, Sean, let's introduce today's topic. And as we said earlier, it's about the police state. When you use that word police state, what do you think most people's response is going to be?
1: they're going to think of history and they're going to think "Mm, that'll never happen here.
0: So they think the likelihood would be small that we would ever face something like that.
1: Yeah. I think, I think most people, if you went out and did a, you know, man on the street video, probably.
0: Interesting. Well, I tell you what, let's just take a definition of that. I looked it up because, you know, if you find on the internet, you know, it must be true. So that's what I did. And this is what I found. What is a police state? It's a totalitarian state controlled by a political force that secretly supervises the citizens' activities. When you hear that, what does that make you think?
1: Well, for those of us who are paying attention to what's happening in the news, it's getting a little close.
0: It's getting a little close to home. And so what we're going to do today is uh, Sean and I actually both watched a documentary called Police State, ironically enough, which is the reason we're having this discussion today, because it was very eye-opening. And this documentary was produced by Dinesh D'Souza and in conjunction with Dan Bongino. And for those of you who do not know who Dinesh D'Souza is, um, I'm going to read to you the Wikipedia's uh, description of Dinesh D'Souza. I love it. He's an Indian-American right-wing political commentator, author, filmmaker, and conspiracy theorist. He's written over a dozen books, several of them um, New York Times bestsellers. Um, is that how you would describe Dinesh D'Souza, Sean?
1: Oh, that's not slandered at all. <laughs>
0: but, uh, well, it's Wikipedia again, so you know it, it, it must be true. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy. So for those of you who know Dinesh D'Souza, you know that he produces quality work. And of course, I mean, he is presenting a view because he wants people to understand really what current state is. And so to- sometimes the information he's sharing is a little bit of that shock and awe perspective. But when you look at a documentary, you have to take it in totality. And this time he actually teamed up with Dan Bongino and Dan Bongino is a previous NYPD officer. Uh, former Secret Service, and now he's a political commentator and has his own show, The Dan Bongino Show, that people thought enough of to take Rush Limbaugh's old slot. So I would say that Dan Bongino in the conservative circles of media is no intellectual lightweight. Would you agree?
1: Oh, totally agree. Totally agree.
0: So to watch these two, Sean and I both, actually my wife and I watched it, and uh, as we watched this, we wanted to talk a little bit uh, about the movie, some things that had honed in on because they're really, really important. And so that's going to be kind of the basis of today's video podcast is really diving into some of the aspects of that movie. So Sean, when we were watching this documentary, the thing I noticed is it honed in on a couple of, I would say maybe big events or big issues. And the very first one had to do with something that was happened just a couple of years ago. It was very, very important. Why don't you take that and run with it? Well, January sixth, um, that has been
1: a tragic situation for so many people, and on a on a personal level, you know, watching all of this, there have been so many lies in the mainstream media, and so many things that that the mainstream media has just flat out gotten away with. But this covers two folks in the documentary. Um, one is an older gentleman who just was there and he simply shared with friends video footage that he took. He didn't even get to the Capitol, but it was video footage that he took that showed what was really going on. And apparently somebody overheard it, reported him and he got investigated. And it just went downhill from from there. He has an aged mother who was very ill and she was in uh, mercifully. She was not in her apartment at the time that they uh, came to investigate. And I mean, it was just a mess. He was uh, staying on his uh, mother's couch, um, taking care of the, the apartment. She was in a facility. There's no excuse for what they did. Tell
0: the audience exactly how law enforcement approached this individual.
1: Well, they, They managed to beat down the door uh, at some ungodly hours, like six o'clock in the morning. And they, they get him and, and uh, they put him in cuffs. They're not telling him what it is that he's being arrested for. They're just going to take him down to the local FBI facility. Uh, They ransacked the house. And if his poor mom had been there, it probably would have killed her. Because he was, she was very ill, and they wouldn't have known that if she was laying in bed, they would not have known that it would have probably killed her. And then on the flip side, they also uh, simultaneously went to his apartment, and he has video footage of it because he's got two different cameras. Um, the first one, the first one, as he points out, they covered it up. Well, if you're legit, why do you need to cover it up? What they didn't know is that he had a camera in the peephole. So his secondary security camera catches all of what they did um, on camera. And they basically destroyed his uh, his apartment as well.
0: So I, I think you're, you're honing in on something incredibly important. We've done several podcasts on January the 6th. We Clay, our friend was boots on the ground. Elliot was boots on the ground. I think with great accuracy, we can challenge the veracity of the government's claims of what actually happened on January the 6th. But that's not really the point of this movie, nor is it the point of what you're sharing. It's is—it's regardless if we disagree on what actually happened, it's how law enforcement acted as a response to that. At least that's what I'm hearing, Sean. Exactly. When,
1: you know, he explores um, in uh, situation after situation with one interviewee after another, how they basically are very theatrical about coming to the house. They've got bullhorns. Anybody in the neighborhood is going to know that they're there and that they're in most cases, they're there at a ridiculous hour and they've got way more people than they need in order to get this person and they're scaring the crap out of families and children. It's, there is no excuse
0: for how this is being done. So, Sean, we've, used, we've heard the term. I'm, I'm not relating this to Hamas and Israel, although maybe that's a future podcast. But we hear this term measured response or appropriate response. Did law enforcement, in your opinion, have an appropriate response to these individuals on January 6th?
1: Absolutely not. Because number one, so many liberals talk about January 6th being an insurrection, and yet nobody showed up with weapons. How do you insurrect without a weapon? So they knew full well that the people that they were going after didn't have a weapon. You do not need all of this armament to go to somebody and execute a search warrant or bring them in. You don't need all this drama, it's
0: unnecessary. Do you believe that the individuals were treated fairly? Oh, no. Do you believe the individuals received due process? No. Do you believe that they were properly informed? Oh, no. Surprise. Do you believe that they were appropriately detained? No. Mm -hmm. And have all members of January 6th who were improperly detained been set free at this point? I don't believe
1: so. I don't know what those numbers are, but I don't believe so.
0: I don't believe so either, to my recollection. And I, I think this says a lot. Again, the police state. We're going to talk a little bit more about the police state and what I view as a very close or or a close cousin to the fourth branch of government. But clearly, as we watch the issues about January 6th, uh, I thought of things like, I mean, I hate using the word Nazis because that seems a little over the top. But this, it, it, But I think what I viewed was law enforcement that was unconstrained by the bounds of law and that it was unhinged that those are the words that i would describe is that there was absolutely unequivocally no accountability in how they acted or reacted to people that may or may not have participated in uh either a walk-in or ride or so forth
1: yeah well um i cannot remember his name but there is tragically there's a a young guy I say young, he's younger than me, uh, that hung himself. His aunt is featured as an interviewee, and he reached the end of his ability to cope. And they were going after him with some outrageous thing about terrorism, some charge, I can't remember specifically what the detail was, but they were coming, they they decided that they were going to tack this on. And his lawyer, no, the uh, the prosecuting attorney said, it prob- I think it was the prosecuting attorney, somebody in the legal thing that she spoke to after he died said that um, during the hearing, that particular charge was likely to get tossed because it was completely empty and of no merit. And she had
0: to point out to him that's what killed him because he couldn't handle the emotional no. strain. No. So, Sean, I think that leads me into our second topic or second component of this uh, documentary. So I think the second component, Sean, as I think about um, really relates to Osama bin Laden. And it, that seems like an odd thing to be pulling up at this point in the podcast, at this point in our nation's history. But a lot of us look at, well, what did Osama bin Laden do and when he attacked our country? What were, who were the victims? Well, there were over 2,000 victims that day. But I think it's very easy to say that today there's 330 million victims. And the reason is, is that set the ball rolling. He actually accomplished in many ways what he wanted to accomplish, which was to create chaos, to create terror, and to affect change in our country. And that happened under George Bush. And I'm a George Bush fan because I think he's a godly man and I think he means well. But he did what so many do is he reacted to a situation. And what he did is he reacted to the terrorist attacks. He asked his senior staff, I know we're going to catch these guys. He told told the FBI director, I know you're going to get the guys, but what I want to know is what you're going to do to make sure this doesn't happen again. All that was the impetus for the Patriot Act. Sean, the documentary talked about the Patriot Act, the Patriot Act quite a bit. Would you say that it was viewed positively or negatively in light of our conversation today?
1: Uh, I agree with Dan Bongino. That was probably where it got started, because what happens is when you open up and give power and authority to upstating citizens, they're going to use it the right way. But if that same power and authority lands in the hands of the unrighteous, it becomes a weapon. And so what we have experienced is lawfare since then.
0: I think that's an excellent point. And I've heard this phrase used more than once, that those who trade freedom for security end up with neither and don't deserve either. And I think that's the sad state of our country. There was well meaning, well-meaning, well-meaning purposes to the Patriot Act. I do know that there was some real challenges in law enforcement and in sharing information back and forth, whereas they thought that we could have stopped this terrorist attack if just the agencies would talk to each other. But in my recollection and my understanding, the lack of the agencies talking to each other had nothing to do with legal constraints and had everything to do with just bureaucratic nonsense in which the folks were holding on to their territorial issues and weren't gonna share information back and forth. I, I don't know what your view, Sean, is, but that, that's certainly how I see it.
1: That is, to me, what it looked like, too. The smaller the agency, the less likely they were to let go of any information that they had. With the smaller agency, you get, you get a piece of very valuable information, it's leverage.
0: It's leverage for your own existence, which is a whole nother uh, issue in itself. Also I think we saw with the Patriot Act and this was referred to I think what we've seen is we've seen an evolution over time for the purpose of intelligence is to stop mitigate destroy however you want to call it foreign threats and I know that uh, some of our agencies it's both you know to to deal with terrorism both both abroad and domestic but I think what we've seen as a shift is what you and I would never in our lifetimes believe we would uh, Label domestic terrorism or extremism is exactly falling into the same bucket as is the, these yahoos from Hamas and these terrorists from Al Qaeda and the, the the those who promote the caliphate and ISIS and all of those 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 are real bad guys. And if you don't think they're the real bad guys, that's because you've never faced one. These college kids snowflakes that think that that we should support these folks have no idea. They've never been on the wrong end of an AK-47 or a knife to their throat, quite frankly. Mm. And the fact that they would even support them is just absolutely outlandish. But now you've got parents, Sean, who are going to board meetings and are rightfully angry. In many, some cases, righteously angry, some cases not righteously, but they're angry because they're angry at the state. They're angry at government and what the government has done, what it's teaching, and they're pushing back. And this fourth branch of government, this police state, is not taking that lightly. And they've started to lump parents. They've started to lump citizens, God-fearing citizens, productive citizens into those same categories. What do you think about that? Well, what I think it comes down
1: to is uh, is the mindset and the worldview. For the conservative, we're about smaller government. We're about you know managing your own life. And... You know, working hard and getting ahead, uh, but the liberal mindset is completely flipped. It's capsized. It used to have some values, but now it's adopted values of wickedness. I mean, we're they're busy trying to legalize sin, and after a while, it drags everything down. And so, when it comes to the police state, they get into government. And they give OKs to everything. We want to include everything, which includes perverted lifestyles. And then the next thing you know, there are things being taught in schools that should never be taught. And then the parents find out about it because of a little gift called COVID. COVID was awful, but I do believe, and, and I've heard a few others say, that when it comes to the school system... COVID may have been also a gift from the Lord in terms of it gave parents the opportunity to listen in on what the teachers were doing. And when you had some, whoa, teachers with no boundaries, that's when they discovered there, there's a whole lot of stuff that should not be taught to children. And an agenda by the alphabet mafia has been released on our kids And when you couple that with a completely open border, yes, I do agree. I do believe that the border is secure. It's securely open. We've got all the elements that we need for a police state. Rand Paul is interviewed here a couple of times, and he remarks that Republicans are being prosecuted for things that Democrats are being released from. And I would add to that, there are Republicans and conservatives that are being prosecuted for complete fiction and getting convicted about it, whereas all the evidence in the world could be piled up for somebody who's a
0: Democrat or a liberal, and they walk away scot-free. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And and Sean, I actually think that's an important that, that to me that's kind of topic number three or component number three of this documentary. It's not just that the police state is overbearing and it's spying on American citizens, is that it applies, it applies justice, it applies criminality unequally across our system. It picks and chooses those to go after and those who not to go after. It picks and chooses winners, and it picks and chooses losers. And as you were just talking there, and I know I've said this before on the grid, but it still holds true, Henry Ford once said about his cars, when someone asked, what color can you get? And he said, you have any color you want, as long as it's black. And I kind of laugh at that, but it's so applicable to not just the progressive liberal movement, but also the police state, which is, well, you kind of do anything you want, as long as you agree with us. And if you don't, if you don't support the system, if you don't support this fourth branch of government, then we will come after you. So I want to make an important uh, distinction. I think is that both Republican presidents and and Democratic presidents presidents have misused law enforcement, and I do that not because I have all necessarily all the facts. I just think I know it's happened, especially if you go all the way back to to Nixon and so forth. However. And that's a big however. However, what I have seen is that Democrats mostly close, they most closely align with the progressive liberal agenda and have a weaponized law enforcement to support that agenda and prosecute those who push back, which is very different than most Republican presidents, most conser- most conservatives. And so that's, that's certainly the, something that I'm seeing is that, I, mean, I I know we could bring up Trump, right? And that's going to invoke an emotional response with people because he's so polarizing, but it's not, we're not talking about just Trump. We're talking about parents. We just talked about this, right? Parents at board meetings. We're talking about folks who went to the Capitol in January the 6th, but never even went in it. Yes, we are talking about Trump. We're also talking about Trump's attorneys. We're talking about other people in government who are conservatives none have really escaped the uh, scorched earth policy of the weaponized fourth branch of government. Is that how you see
1: it? Totally agree. Uh, I saw a clip with Tucker Carlson and uh, I cannot remember the gentleman's name, uh, but he simply posted a meme about Hillary Clinton. The meme shows that you can text your vote for Hillary to whatever the the number was. And it was a meme. It was a joke. Everybody knows that you don't vote by text. I mean, how much easier would that be if we could? But he got prosecuted for it. For misinformation? But, yeah. The week that Biden was inaugurated, they came to his door and they dragged him off. And he's been dealing with it ever since. And he was found guilty. And I mean, it's complete
0: balderdash, complete and utter balderdash. It is. Well, Sean, this kind of brings brings us to the, the fourth component I wanted to talk about. Before I do, I just wanted to say, highly recommend that you see the documentary. Dinesh D'Souza does do a great job. Of course, it's got some things in there that are going to open your eyes. Some of them you may not even disagree with. I encourage you, I highly encourage you to take it in its totality and to look at all that, you know, typically the, the phrase is where there's smoke, there's fire. What Dinesh does a good job of is he shows you there is a lot of smoke and there's a lot of smoke in a lot of places. And we need to be really, really wary of this. And so you know, as we think about this other component, the audience may be asking this question. My wife asked this question. And Sean, she said, okay, we know this. We've seen documentaries like this before. What do we do? I feel helpless. I feel like it's too big. It's too big of an issue to tackle. How do we affect change in our country? How do we reverse a police state? Which is, again, I consider it the fourth branch of government. It's the, it's the part of the government that is unaccountable. it's completely there, there's no accountability to anyone because the, these folks are hired and appointed they're not they're not elected. And so how do we affect change there? Do you want to jump in?
1: There's a couple of things that immediately come to mind. If you're serious about affecting change and you have the ability to do anything, the first thing that you can do is talk with friends and family. Start off with those who are like-minded. You know they're gonna agree with you. Give them information, see if they have this information, share this video with them and check with them and see if they've uh, seen any of the other videos that you're aware of. Get them armed and ready to go. And the the and what goes right along with it uh would be part two of that one is stop being afraid of people thinking that you're a nut job because you're sharing something that they don't agree with, because When you reach out and share, look, here's this, here's this thing. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. And this is what's going on. And then you lead them to something like this, have them watch it. And you've just got to trust that the Lord is going to get through to them. They may disagree with you to your face, but once they actually look at the truth, there's going to be a different story. The second thing that you can do is pray with purpose. Okay. Ask the Lord to show you how, what, what action to take or how to get involved in making some sort of a change and then believe him for a door to open. Who knows what the door is going to be. And it may be a small one, go through that door, trust that he's going to give you something that you can do, follow through and do it. And a third thing, get to know somebody who's in office and see what they need in terms of information that you could give them and support them and give them an ear and low level, low level
0: politicians, the school board, somebody you can reach out and do that. Chris, you know, this is my moment where I get to do a shameless plug, but you said, share this video with your friends, families, and neighbors. You were talking about the police state documentary, but I would say share this video podcast with your friends, family, and neighbors as well. Because while that documentary is a, is a, is a static view of time, this is stuff that we're talking about on a weekly basis. And Sean's right. It doesn't necessarily have to be, people don't have to necessarily agree with you. I would say you can disagree with people without being disagreeable. It's hard to convince people logically uh, when they're operating emotionally, what you want to do is provide them with the information that can connect with them uh, emotionally. I think I think that's pretty important. The uh, love, the lose your fear, and pray with a purpose. I, I think one of the things that we talked about, Sean, is that so often we look at this at a national level and we say, "I can't, I can't impact that." But in my view, the reason we are where we're at is because we have made a habit throughout this country of electing folks. neither know god and nor fear him and we see that at the school board levels you don't get the kind of curriculum that is allowed not just allowed but it's promoted it's championed in school districts you don't get that when you have god-fearing god-loving people who are in charge you just don't um you don't get state representatives who want to destroy the second amendment if they're people who love god and love their country you just don't and then you and on the national level same thing. You don't. You don't get folks who are absolutely hell bent on codifying lawlessness, codifying sin into law, who want to mandate, not not allow in rare circumstances. I'm talking promoting, championing, and mandating the murder of children. You don't get that with God fearing, God loving people. And the way you start is at the grassroots level. We need to be pursuing. At the In our local communities, to start with, at least step one, anyway, we need to be pursuing leaders who have that mindset, at least in my opinion, Sean.
1: I would concur.
0: <laughs> that was long-winded. Well I know. Isn't that, like,
1: totally wrong? long-winded? No, I mean, that, that's really it. We have the problem that we've got because we keep voting, and I know some people are going to get upset with me for saying this, but there's a reason for saying this. Look at the platform. The platform that embraces sin is the one that you should avoid. It's that simple. Now, does that mean that everybody who's in the other party that is promoting that platform is an upright, upstanding citizen? No, it isn't. But the possibilities that they're going to be, that they're going to stick with the platform are a lot higher. Just saying.
0: Yeah, I think that's an important point. Um, And I've said this long before, rather than going after individual candidates, just look at the platform. If you are a God-loving, God-fearing conservative who supports traditional Judeo-Christian values and are a lover of freedom and believe in the founding of this country, there is no way, there is no way you can put these platforms side by side and come to a mixed conclusion. You just cannot. It is that simple. It is that different. It is that diametrically opposed to one another. And we've got to stand against this. We really have to. You know, I, I guess one of maybe my 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 passing thoughts would, would be this. This is going to sound a little crazy too, but it, but it is true. When we think about scripture, you know, one of the things that is talked about throughout the Bible is really the spirit of witchcraft. And a lot of people think of witchcraft as being, you know, casting spells and this and this, but it's really the heart of it. I've heard it said by many pastors is really control. It's about controlling people. It's about controlling processes. It's about controlling mindsets. It's about controlling nations about it's about controlling the spiritual realm. It is about control. And I think as we think of the police state and the fourth branch of government, what really comes to my mind is that evil in many ways is physically personified in what we're talking about. This is not about, I I would never tell you that everyone in the FBI or the DOJ is evil. I just wouldn't do that. I have a God-fearing friend who just retired from the FBI, who I would tell you is a godly man. It would never support some of the things that that we are talking about. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spirit behind all of this, which is a spirit of control. And with that control, it is seeking wholeheartedly with everything it has to destroy that everything that god calls good so that would i think would be my parting comment sean is we can't forget the spiritual aspect of this journey no
1: we can't and we we are facing a spiritual battle i would encourage folks to watch the police stay it's a little pricey at the moment but that's because it just came out and it's not in theaters but we've got to support stuff like this down the road. It'll get a little bit cheaper as they've recouped, you know, revenue and all that it's worth every penny to watch this. And, you know, we're not paid to do that. We're just, we're reviewing it because it's current, everything that they cover is current. And I think that when you, when you look at this documentary, this film, knowing, that there's a spiritual element to all of this, then you'll understand why my comment is pray with purpose. Pray, ask the Lord what you can do and expect that he's gonna open a door for you to do something. You can make a difference because as is, uh, is shown in the film, we've got moms and dads simply going to the school board And they're standing up for their kids. And they are being marked as homeland terrorists. Now, that has lightened up a bit in the past six months, but that's what they were trying to do. And that's why it's so important for us to get involved, even at that level, because most of these politicians start off at like the school board, and they learn kind of how to do it, and they get connected, and then they go up another one and up another one you know, for, for many politicians, it starts,
0: it starts there. Well said, Sean. Well said. Here's my parting comments for today. As we wrap up, the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Just like you, our audience don't allow evil to prevail, do something.
1: And my parting thought is also a quote, I have no idea who quoted, who originally said it, but it's been my all-time favorite. Men who moved the world were men the world could not move.
0: I love that. That is so good. As we close today's episode, we just want to say thanks again to Red Balloon. Thank you, Andrew, for all the great work that you're doing. Thank you for promoting freedom in the workplace. And thank you to the audience for listening to this episode of The Grid. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. Make sure you tell your friends, your families, and your neighbors about this podcast, The Grid. And of course, as always, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and a whole host of other platforms and players. And if you're listening today, as a reminder, we're now on YouTube as we do this podcast by video. Make sure no matter where you see us, you're giving us a five-star rating and you're following us so that we can expand our reach. Remember, your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Coleman, and I am I'm- The Kingdom Patriot.
1: <laughs> Me too. I am too. Have a good day. Thanks for watching, everybody.
0: See ya.